Samantha. And you're listening to Reaper Tales. And today is a joint one, and we're going to be telling you guys about amusement park failures. Hey, we're going to ruin another thing for you guys. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> we are. Um, don't you love the, the name of this? Episode? Yeah. The not yeah. amused uh-huh. parks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You had to throw in the dad joke. That's fine. That's 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 your thing. Cool. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I actually, when I told you I was like logging in, I was literally sitting in the waiting room trying to figure out what I was going to name this. So, oh, I just saw you like giggling to yourself the whole time you were titling, <laughs> t- typing in the title. <laughs> it's like, what do I name it? What do I name it? <laughs> Anyways, so before we get started, Samantha, what are we drinking? We are drinking the aptly named roller coaster. And this is a cocktail recipe. Doesn't actually say. I'm gonna say this is for one. It looks like based on the ounces. I, I feel like that's a one. Um, but anyway, so this one's gonna be with, and this is very exact, y'all. So if you're anything like me, just gonna <laughs> wing it. Um, but the actual ingredients on the recipe say 11.9 ounces of brandy, 3.33 ounces of lemonade. 17 ounces of gin, uh, 3.33 ounces green uh, green creme de la menthe. And I've never had that, but that's basically just to, it adds a little bit of menthol basically, but it also just makes it really wildly green. Yeah, it's like <laughs> basically. a green mint liqueur, liqueur or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then a teaspoon of lime juice. And a, <laughs> I was laughing about this before we got on because it was so funny. It says shake the recipe with ice now. I think they meant ingredients, but just to be on the safe side, I did go ahead and shake my phone, but it didn't do anything. Um, (laughs) Strain it and top it with the, like everything. And it says top with lemonade. So basically you're going to take all those ingredients, shake them up with ice, strain it into a glass, top with lemonade for however much you want and serve in a whatever cocktail glass you like this time. Um, And that, there you have it. That's the roller coaster. And, uh, the ingredients alone tell me why it's called the roller coaster. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that is quite a ride. Brandy, lemonade, gin, creme, uh, creme de menthe, and lime juice. All right. Okay. All right. Well, uh, cheers. Cheers to that. All right. Here we go. I'm not ready. <sighs> I'm not ready either. Mm. But you're going to ruin amusement parks because you don't like them anyway, but I actually do. And I already have an innate fear of heights. So getting on a roller coaster in and of itself was already more difficult than probably most have. Um, So I actually get a little bit more of an adrenaline boost than most people probably. But after reading up on on the different things, because this obviously opened up like rabbit holes that I went down for a hot minute a couple hours i i am terrified and then you sent me a video earlier this week that did not help i'm just glad we're not going to six flags this year and we're visiting the zoo and the aquarium i feel a lot safer going to those yeah i i agree uh when i say i have that video i'm just glad i went last year and not this year is all i'm saying we'll talk about the video during my segment at the end but before we samantha's actually gonna go first but before we jump into it i have kind of like a a background into 
the safety and uh, inspection regulations when it comes to amusement parks that I want to cover before we jump into our respective cases. I think it's I, this part might be a little bit more scary than the stories, to be honest. Maybe. <laughs> if you uh, cover I have quite a bit to cover. Anything like I cover. <laughs> uh, well, I think it's important to understand this and it, I mean, I didn't like, like Samantha said, I didn't like theme parks or amusement parks to begin with. I mean, I like them because I like the food and things like that. But when it comes to like safety, um, I'm not going to be strapped into something that's going to go several miles an hour and upside down and wait. You mean up to 70? Yeah. Because some of them do go up to 70 miles an Uh, hour. I think, I think, I think the one I sent you the video on actually goes over that. Uh, I have to double check what the fastest roller coaster is, but 70 is pretty dang fast for a roller coaster. Uh, this one's the fastest in the in North America. Okay, I'll check. Hang on. Uh, but no, no, no. I cover it in my segment. While you go over yours, I'm going to see what the fastest one in the United States is, but keep going. I already okay. know all this stuff you're about to say, probably. All right. So before we jump into our individual amusement parks, I do want to talk briefly about amusement park parks in general, specifically about the safety and regulations around the topic. It may come as a surprise to some, honestly, it didn't to me, but most amusement amusement park rides are not federally regulated. CPC, sorry, CPSC, Consumer Product Safety Commission, oversees rides and attractions for traveling amusements. That would be your state fairs and stuff. They do not, however, oversee fixed site amusement rides. It is left up to the individual states to oversee safety and regulations for those. We could get into the fact that most states are going to be a lot more strict about these regulations due to tourism slash tax money that comes in from it. But there is... I couldn't couldn't prevent it. It's just America. That's what it is. America. (laughs) But there is a seediness to how some of these safety occurrences are reported. You know, cover-ups. No one wants to lose tourism money because they're afraid to go to something. Or then, or how some roller coasters just get moved to another state under a different name. Yep. Uh, which kind of comes into play when we talk about my case because mine, my amusement park actually covers two different states. So part of it is in one state and part of it is in another. Cheater, although I did the same thing. But okay. yeah. So, uh, but it's the same amusement park. Um. So no, I'm not going to name any names when it comes to this, uh, but all the shade. I'm giving all the shade. I think we all need that. (laughs) (laughs) And also, like, I don't want to be sued. So if, you know, look into your own amusement parks if you want to see if they're following the very not strict safety regulations. Anyways, back to safety. The International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions, the IAAPA, A trade association representing amusement parks reports that 44 states regulate amusement rides. The six states that completely lack state oversight are Alabama, Mississippi, Montana, Nevada, Wyoming, and Utah. Contain, but these can, and you're going to cover this, I'm sure. These contain very few or no amusement parks at all. Um, Also, like, I guess Alabama Adventure is not an amusement park. Rude. Uh, no, by definition. Oh, okay. You're going to cover that? I'm not going to go into details about it, but 
they they don't meet the strict definition of it oh. uh, that's that's pretty much it like okay. they don't have enough rides that meet certain qualifications yeah okay um anyways moving on that's that's all i had to say about that but also, just as an FYI, I went to the IAAPA website, uh, and considering they profit off of the success of amusement parks and are suppliers for them, I don't exactly trust their safety standards when it comes to my own safety. So, Kind of like a certain government agency that regulates certain financial firms. Uh, yeah. Also, um, they also lobby against the... IAAPA, they lobby against uh, more strict regulations when it federal regulations when it comes to amusement parks. So um, when you see that the IAAPA has signed off as something is safe, uh, take that with a grain of salt. Uh, just so honestly, take anything with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's be honest. If you go to a restaurant and it has an excellent health food rating, that doesn't necessarily mean that they actually are clean. Nope. Let's be honest. How many of us have seen Kitchen Nightmares? Those people had good ratings. And he found like literal dead mice and rats in their kitchen. So take everything with a grain of salt, people. Uh, anything and everything you do in the public, you're doing at your own risk. Well, and the whole thing behind it is like the IAAPA is not a government regulated. It's not like a government regulation. It is a It is a company in and of itself that sets regulation standards for amusement parks. And it's voluntary whether or not these amusement parks actually follow those regulations. Anyway. I mean, also understand though, again, this is deeply troubling on some levels, but no amusement park is going out to possibly harm a person because when it does happen, especially nowadays with video cameras so readily available on everybody's phone, which everybody has with them. Talk about bad publicity. And they lose not thousands, but millions of dollars when they have bad publicity. So it is in their best interest to try to follow safety regulations that are known. Yeah. That being said, do they always follow that thinking, um, which would make common sense? No. No. Um, no, they don't. And then certain instances like we'll talk about today happen and it doesn't work out real well for them no. in the long run. No, it doesn't. So, yeah. You'd um, like to think they would use their common sense and say, hmm, maybe I should get this inspected on occasion just to make sure that nobody dies on the ride and I don't lose millions of dollars because I have to close the whole area down. But, but we all know that corporations can be short-sighted, especially when it comes to money. <sighs> And a little bit. safety requires money. Um, anyways, there is a fantastic article on safety surrounding amusement parks at uh, theregreview.org. Um, I can't cover it all, but I do ask that you go and read it. Among the 44 states that regulate their rides, the regulation standards can vary widely. According to the Safety Park USA, an insurance and risk management company for amusement, amusement industry, only 20... 20 states demonstrate comprehensive government oversight. These states require regular inspections from a government agency and empower the state government to investigate accidents. To standardize rides and inspection, 
design, and safety elements across amusement parks, the industry typically relies on guidance from ASTM International, an organization that develops voluntary consensus standards for a wide variety of products and systems. ASTM International Committee on Amusement Rides meets twice a year to update a set of voluntary performance specifications, maintenance guides, and other ride safety standards that are published in the annual book of ASTM standards. These industry standards are widely followed by amusement parks in the United States. In fact, even state laws will sometimes incorporate them into regulatory requirements. Approximately 35 states reference ASTM standards in their regulations for ride safety. Many of the state agencies regulating amusement rides are housed within the State Department of Agriculture. I just thought this part was cool. Historically, amusement parks were traveling businesses that set up at state fairs where farmers brought their prized produce and showmen brought rides to entertain the crowds. These fairs and events were often overseen by agricultural departments, leading to the uh, modern regulatory framework for the state's supervision. That regulatory framework added a federal layer to the U.S. Congress established that established the CPSC in 1972. The agency initially regulated both mobile and fixed-site amusement rides, but the CPSC's authority to inspect fixed amusement park rides was routinely challenged in court. The amusement park industry advocated changes to remove CPSC oversight of fixed-site rides, and in 1981, Congress passed the changes since since they deemed the roller coaster loophole. Proposals to close the roller coaster loophole are straightforward. A legislative fix would amend two sentences of the Consumer Product Safety Act, removing the exception for, quote, a device which is permanently fixed to the site. And you're going to love this, dude. U.S. Senator Ed Markey, um, he's a Massachusetts senator, or was, has repeatedly introduced legislation to restore CPSC's oversight of fixed-site rides. Proposing legislation in 2001, he argued that, quote, the reason there is no national clearinghouse to prevent ride injuries is clear. Since 1981, the industry has escaped routine product safety regulations through a loophole in the law. Senator Markey began his crusade for federal oversight in 1999. The industry has opposed him since. IAAPA spends approximately $600,000 a year lobbying against federal oversight, and the association continues to lobby to maintain the status quo of state and industry oversight. That's the company that sets your regulations for this. Quote, it's like the Fox Garden, the hen house said Mark Bayer, Senator Marquis. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) Chief staff. And he's right. And I'm almost done. Sorry. While the IAAPA's annual safety survey reports strong safety records across the board, not even half of the, quote, invited parks submitted their survey for this. So it's like 400, it's 400 and something that are invited. That's not even all of them to take a safety survey on the safety status of their park 
and like 170 of them submit. And it's just them saying, yeah, they're safe or they're not or whatever. I don't actually know what the questionnaire is, but it's a survey. It's self-reporting. To top it off, CPSC estimated in 2015 that approximately 37,000 people visited an emergency room that year after being hurt on an amusement ride. The IAAPA doubled down on its claims that amusement rides were safe in 2003, stating that the risk of roller coaster-related brain injuries and fatalities is, quote, in the rider, not the rides. So, IAAPA is basically saying, oh, no, we're sa- all of these parks are safe. All of them are safe. And um, the CPSC is saying, um, uh, bet (laughs) you're gonna be interested in some of the stuff that i cover then because i actually go into a little more detail since my state is one of the ones on the chopping block oh good i like it's not a lot i'm not gonna go super in depth because that's boring to most people but i i did go into a little more detail well that's that's kind of like i i love looking into this kind of stuff because i'm like this is fucked up like this is pretty fucked up it gets worse. It gets worse. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you detailed a lot of the uh, stuff that I didn't go into because I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole because I didn't want to bore everybody, but which bonus I didn't, and you did. So you can bore people. And then I didn't waste my time doing it. So <laughs> it worked out really well. <laughs> I don't think it's boring. I think it's important to understand that like the, when you go to these amusement parks, there is there is either none or very lax regulations when it comes to your safety. And well, and think about it too. It's like, oh, but they're fixed, so they're fine. Um, okay, so that was fine and dandy, what, 30 years ago when some of these rides were built and initially put in their fixed place. Think about it. There are rides that are in Six Flags Over Georgia that have been there for 20, 30 years because I rode them as a kid. Or as a teenager, which was <clears throat> 20 years ago. And some of them have not changed. Some of them have gone under re- renovations. And last year when we rode one of those rides, it said that it was a smoother ride. But let me tell you, I don't, maybe I am getting older. I am definitely getting older. So I know it could be affecting me more than it did when I was a kid. But I remember vividly on like the third or fourth year that we went to Six Flags when I was a teenager. By that last year, I couldn't ride that ride as a teenager because it gave me a headache. And when we rode it this last time uh, with all the renovations that they did and all of the new stuff that they added, the kids didn't even enjoy the ride because it banged them around so much. And it was one of their wooden roller coasters. It's actually one of their only hybrid. I think it's the only hybrid one that they have, but it was still so rough that they didn't even, they said they didn't even enjoy it. Now when they rode the metal ones, not the same story, but this one was a pure wooden roller coaster when I rode it and I didn't like it as a teenager. And they have now added features to supposedly make it more enjoyable and the kids still didn't like it. So that tells you that, I mean, these things are going to break down. It is what it is. And if you don't have regulations that maintain a certain level of care for these fixed rides, that means things are going to break apart. And how are you going to learn that? What do you think? If you don't have people regularly inspecting these things and making sure that they're up to par, the only way you're going to know is when they break down or when somebody gets hurt. Those are your only two options. 
Yeah, and my whole thing is like when it comes to job safety and things like that, you have, you know, government agencies like OSHA who come in to ensure mm-hmm. that you're following these regulations. Now, when you're working with the public in a very unsafe environment, and let's be honest, these rides, while they are deemed safe, it is a very unsafe thing to get into if it is not regulated properly or inspected properly for safety and for malfunctions and things like that. And there's not a government agency. There is one that can do it, but we have a company, an outside company from the government, the IAPA, who's stepping in and saying, well, you also, and and I get into it too, but you also have teenagers running these rides typically. I mean, they're not, I guarantee they go through the whole meeting where they're told how they're supposed to operate it and the things that they're supposed to look for. But I've been to these amusement parks my entire life they ain't that strict on it i mean and especially when it's not busy they're letting people go in with stuff in their pockets and stuff that they're not supposed to and that can be really dangerous if something flew out of your pocket either hitting one of you or getting on the track and messing up another ride later on so eh, dog (laughs) there's a dog in the background um so i mean it's just it's a very the older i get the more (laughs) this stuff bothers me also i watched final destination 3 spoiler alert don't watch it if you want to ever ride roller coasters again (laughs) um no it's it's not uh, it's it it basically is the root of all fears roller coasters kind of like final destination 2 is logging trucks uh same thing anyway i've only so it's like everything that goes wrong can that i have ever thought about in a roller coaster that might go wrong like the bolts just slipping or or something getting on the track like all of those things happen and it is okay let's just knock it all out in one go that's fine um so i mean it 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 was more unsettling to me to actually do the research and be like, oh, so all those things that my overthinking brain was constantly going over and over when I was a teenager and up until now of all the things that make me scared about getting on this ride and I do it anyway are actually possible. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Um, great. All right. So overthinking for the win. <laughs> I already thought through all these things. I just now realized they could actually happen. Yeah. Great. You're welcome. So sorry to bore everybody, but um, now it's time to get to actual events that have occurred, Samantha. Because I'm going to go through (laughs) a little bit more uh, boring information, but hopefully it won't take too long. But first of all, I did want to say it was interesting that we decided to cover this because we had actually talked about it before. And um, as recent as May 2nd of this year, Alabama legislator was attempting to pass regulations so that Alabama would no longer be one of the three remaining states without any kind of regulations whatsoever for fixed amusement rights. There's only three that have no regulations. Okay. So I don't know if yours was an outdated article or if there was like some kind of loophole where three of them were well, it, in existence. It said six had little to no regulations. Little to no. Okay. So yeah. there were three states remaining that have absolutely no we're one of them, of course. Um, and I said, yep, that's, <laughs> I'm probably going to have notes like yours on this one because obviously I had feels. I said, yep, that's right. No regulations in the state of Alabama. We're apparently known as the, hey, y'all, watch this state anyway. So whatever. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> what, di- what difference does it make? <laughs> hold my beer. <laughs> hold my beer. Hey, y'all, hold my beer. Watch this. Of course, the regulations being proposed don't actually stop or prevent much. 
as they don't actually penalize amusement ride operators for not shutting down dangerous rides, but it does allow amusement park operators to eject patrons who act up while on rides, which I do think is important. They should be able to do that. But that's not the because only thing. I, it's not the only thing, but hey, it's progress. Okay. And I have been on rides where there have been people, idiots, that have gotten on the ride that made me feel very unsafe. To the extent that I almost left the ride and I was like, if you're going to let them ride, I'll just get the next one. Oh, my gosh, dogs. Okay. Um, So there's that. It says, and then I put, sounds an awful lot like we're actually protecting the amusement companies rather than the patrons. But patrons, but what do I know? Well, considering a lot of these amusement parks are owned by only a handful Hmm. of actual parent companies, it's not surprising According to AL.com, quote, this bill has not been generated because there are safety issues at Alabama parks, said State Rep. Alan Baker, uh, which was approved by the Alabama House on Tuesday. That's where a lot of these legislations and other states surface with an incident, Baker said. But there wasn't the impetus behind this bill. It was more having our state pursuing the safety of the public, quote unquote. And we felt this was a good step in the right direction to codify best existing safety standards, safety practices. The proposals as pitched impose new safety regulations on fixed amusement rides at the handful of theme parks that are a permanent attraction in Alabama. The only theme parks in Alabama with a roller coaster in which would be subject to the new regulations include OWA and Foley, Alabama Adventure in Bessemer, Track Family Fun Park in Gulf Shores, 40 Farm in Coleman, which I didn't know there was one in Coleman, but I think it's just like basically literally a farm with a very small amusement ride. So probably for like kids. Spring Park in Tuscumbia and the Kitty Carnival in Athens. Most of these, like the rides, when you think amusement parks, you're thinking roller coasters like at Six Flags. These do not have that. They might have quote unquote roller coasters, but it's more like the kitty themed rides at Six Flags well, at most. Alabama Adventure has roller coasters. I think they have two. Yeah. Is two, the one, like one still open? I, I think that one was actually closed. Okay. But not due to incident. Due to just they felt it was unsafe, but I think they closed that one. I mean, it was the oldest. I know, I know it was closed for a while. Um, I don't remember. I didn't think to look it up, but I don't remember. I think they tried to do renovations and maybe open it for a while. I don't know if it's still open though. I feel like they had ended up just closing it down because the wooden roller coasters take a lot of maintenance because they just, they don't flex like the metal ones do. So it requires a lot of maintenance and a lot of times it just isn't worth it for them. So they close read, them down. That's about the only roller coaster I've written. That one and uh, oh, what was the one at um, MGM? It's not MGM anymore. Um, uh, rock and roller coaster. That's, those are mm-hmm. the only two roller coasters I've ever ridden. I've been on a lot. <laughs> and I'm not going to like the stories you tell. OWA, which is owned and operated by Creek Indian Enterprises, features a host of thrill rides, including the Rollin', Rollin Thunder Roller Coaster. A spokesman with the theme park that opened in 2017 said that OWA has been helping to facilitate talks between industry leaders and state officials towards creating a, quote, regulatory framework for the amusement park industry in Alabama, end quote. So this has been since 2017. They've been working with legislators and this didn't bill didn't pop up until 2023. So that's six years later, by the way. Kristen Helmick, spokesman, uh, spokesperson with the. 
I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it, so I'm very sorry if I do, but it's uh, Poarch Band of Creek Indians and Ford OWA said that the park has self-regulated, self-regulated itself, that's um, redundant, but based on industry guidelines. Quote, from the, opening our, from the opening of our theme park and now with the addition of our water park, safety has always been a top priority, which is why our management team has proactively adopted daily safety processes based on our manufacturer's guidelines and best practices from the international theme park industry, end quote, she said. <laughs> That's going above and beyond what we've already discussed most would probably do. Let's be honest. OWA has also independently participated in annual operational audits. The proposed regulations are nothing new and are utilized by many states already. They followed a standardized safety guideline from ASTM International, which was formerly the American Society for Testing and Materials, an organization that develops voluntary consensus standards, which we've already mentioned, on a variety of products and systems, including amusement rights. At least one Alabama lawmaker is hopeful that more restrictions can eventually be required. Can eventually, like you can't propose and pass something, but whatever. On weight restrictions and strapping requirements on rides. And I'll get into the first part of that. State Rep. Givon um, said the legislation does not specifically address weight, size, and strapping of someone to a ride. She say, cited the tragedy or, in Orlando, which I'll go over, last year when a 14-year-old teenage boy who weighed over 300 pounds and was over 6 feet 5 inches tall was killed on a ride that he was allegedly too big to be on. OWA has self-regulated its height and weight restrictions for rides. The park's initial attempt stirred controversy shortly after their first opening. They posted signs stating that people who exceeded 6 feet 2 inches in height and weighed over 225 pounds and had a 40-inch waistline or a 52-inch chest faced ride restrictions. So basically, they were doing that based on what the manufacturer warranted those rides for. That's why they put those restrictions in there. Well, this kind of it, it comes up to also how do you how do you like do something like that well how is how is asking somebody what their weight is not invasive but also if it's my responsibility to make sure that you're safe and i know that this ride has a maximum capacity true i mean what how how am i supposed to follow my regulations trying to follow what the manufacturers told me to do without being invasive or possibly offending you and in this situation, I feel like your safety is more important. I'm just going to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I guess my whole thing is where do you draw the line between like... Well, that's why I also feel like six feet, two inches in height, if you're over that, not even doing the weight, but if you have a 40-inch waistline or a 52-inch chest, you can face ride regulation. So basically, they can make the harnesses to where they only fit up to a certain size. If you don't fit in the harnesses, you can't ride the ride. And then again, you know, it comes into uh, discrimination. But is it discrimination if it's a question of safety? Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Where do you draw the line? Like, is this discrimination against? Because it's not even just their safety. It would be one thing if it's just their safety that they're worried about. Mm -hmm. It's every other rider that's on that ride with them. It's their safety as well. True. I agree. I mean, I'm not saying that that's not. No, I, I know. That's just that's like, what I was thinking when I read this. It's like they're trying to go above and beyond and be as safe as possible. But now they're facing controversy because they're being unfair. Well, but is it? 
because they're trying to follow the guidelines provided to them by the people who made these rights. Well, I think it's also the way that they approach it too. I've, I've seen a couple of stories. Yeah, I'm going to get to that. Okay. Where they talk about them directly asking in front of a group of people or telling them in front of a group of people waiting in line, hey, you're, you know, too fat to get on this. Like, well, and I've also seen a, a lot recently where they have a seat from the ride in front of the waiting. So it's not like you're going to wait for an hour and a half and not be able to realize that you can't fit. So you can sit in the seat, try the seat on. If you can't buckle it, it says, if you cannot fit in this ride, if this does not feel comfortable, if you cannot fit, if you cannot buckle it, do not ride this ride. You're not eligible. Yeah. So I think that is a good idea because that's another thing. I mean, what if I wait in line for an hour, two hours to ride this ride and then I get all the way up to the top and you're like, oh, sorry, you can't ride this because of your size. What? Yeah. I just stood in line for two hours. Now what am I supposed to do? So I get it. And also it is embarrassing. But, you know, even just somebody who's too tall. And that also makes perfect sense because typically your legs are longer. So if you have a ride where your legs are hanging, that could get caught in something possibly. So. There are regulations for a reason. That means that you're probably going to end up offending people. Yeah. There are ways to say things. True. But also there, I think in general, there should be a mentality about people where it is a case of if they've told me ahead of time before I even get on this ride, these are the requirements. I logically know that I do not meet those requirements and I go all the way to the tip top and then they tell me I can't ride it. I don't have the right. To get pissed off that you're telling me that something I already knew when I walked into this line was a situation. I can't get mad at you now that you are enforcing that. That's kind of one of those things that they should put on like the brochures for these or on the front. But the things you need to know before you visit the park. Now, I will say a lot of the websites that I have looked at because I had to look at them to make sure that Sophia was tall enough and to see how many rides she could actually ride. They do have those restrictions online. Oh, okay. They do? I won't say all of them. But I will say that Six Flags, when we looked at it, at the very least, all height requirements were listed. See, I, so I you knew know. exactly what rides when you walked into that park. You knew exactly what rides you could ride. Yeah. As far as the minimum height requirements, I don't I, I don't remember. I think there's a couple that have a maximum height requirement because of the way the ride is. Um, and I think that was posted as well. So it's not like the information is not available. But it might not be as readily available as maybe it should. I think having a seat of the ride out front to where you can try it and say, please, you know, try try to sit in this seat and buckle yourself in. If you cannot do that, then you cannot ride this ride. Just let that be a blanket thing. They still go up there. They had the opportunity. They chose not to do it. That's on them. Yeah, fair enough. Also, I don't know how I'd feel about sitting in a seat if I were, you know, not able to fit if I sat in that seat while people are going into this ride, them just seeing Would you that. rather know it then or two hours later when you're trying to get in the ride? It's never going to be an issue for me. <laughs> I'm just saying those are your only two options. I mean, are we supposed to have somebody posted at the beginning of the line and pulling people out of line and going, no, you need to try the seat on or no, I need you to come back here into this very private area where I can have you sit in the seat and see if you actually fit. That's not any less invasive, to be perfectly honest. So what I am what I mean by having the seat, it's like if you have a question. But they're also, and I, I will say this because I did go to Six Flags last year, they have all of their requirements on the sign for the roller coaster. So if there are requirements, whether it's minimum or maximum, 
it's all written in there. It is your responsibility to read it, but honestly, you should read it when it comes to requirements. Do most people? Probably not. But they're written there before you even get in line. It, It says it all in black and white, tells you exactly what the right is. So it's there should you choose to read it and actually listen to it. I would think, me personally, I would do it just because I'm a safety conscious person in general, but also I kind of want to know what I'm looking into when I go onto a ride. But again, it's ultimately up to the person. So there's always going to be that line. Where do you draw that line? Who gets to say it? And then you've got, what, 18, 17 year olds running these rides and you expect them to deal with a confrontational adult who's being told they can't ride that ride. Yeah. And then if they're going to be controversial and they're going to be a you-know-what about it, what do you expect them to do? They're going to pause the ride and wait for a manager to get up there to deal with the situation because, in in all honesty, they shouldn't have to at 17 or 18 years old. But that's going to be a situation because I know all kinds of adults that would cause that a big scene. So not everybody has to wait to ride the ride while the manager goes up there and checks it out. Like, it's, it's a little unfair to some extent, like just being devil's advocate, like, cause I've been in the customer service industry and had to deal with people that didn't read the rules. And then when I sit there and have to go, Oh, Hey, so that thing that you walk by. Yeah. So that was an actual thing. And I, I'm going to need you to do that. And then they act a fool and I have to go get a manager and everybody around me is hearing it, seeing it. And I'm having to deal with this as a young adult, like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm just working here. I don't get paid enough to really deal with this. <laughs> and I've been the customer in line watching that and going, oh my gosh, I feel for that girl, that poor child that has to deal with this. She does not get paid enough. So I mean, it, it's a difficult situation because you're always going to have those people that don't meet the requirements and know that they don't meet the requirements, but still want to try and press their luck. I I think it, I think it's just like in my, in my, well, ill-informed uh, opinion that they should put a lot more thought in. Like the chair thing's pretty nice, but I, I think there should be a lot more thought into the way that they're giving this information out to the population. Whether it be as people are coming in through the park, hey, here's a list of our rights and all the requirements. Make sure you meet them so you're not waiting in line. Blah blah blah. You know, something like that. Well, you can get a map of the park, and the mark and the map of the park does have. Hopefully. More information on the rides. Yeah. Well, I can only speak for Six Flags over or over Georgia, but I mean, I, so that would probably be Six Flags in general because they probably all fall a pretty similar format. But I'm just saying the information is available. There's only so much that you can provide to to people before you start holding them accountable for having the uh, information available to them and them choosing not to pay attention to it. Fair enough. It's just not. That's my point. And where is the line drawn when you talk about this? Because now you're going into regulatory situations. And if we do want a federal, you know, regulatory agency, which in. We do. We do. theory, In theory, it does make it better in actual action. Eh, I mean, yeah, kind of. But also lobbying still happens and there's still corruptness in federal government. I hate to break it to you. So even in regulatory agencies. So yeah, it'll make it better possibly. um, But also it could also make some things worse. It's it's all up in the air. The question is, where do you draw the line? How do you draw the line and how do you enforce it? And that is where 
it's kind of a sticky situation if you look at it from both situations. I'm not on the corporation side, don't get me wrong, but I have been the employee that has to deal with customers that are outright outrageous and they're ridiculous and they know the rules, they choose not to follow them. And then they make us think about it because they feel if they push hard enough, they'll get to do it anyway. And that's not a fair situation to be in either. No, I agree. It's just like, it's not something I would have ever thought about going into amusement park is like ensuring that I'd be, the only thing I'd need to ensure is that I was tall tall enough. enough. So it's, you know, it, it wouldn't be a thought in my head. And that your like, hair was tied down because there are a couple rides where they specifically say your hair needs to be kind of like either in a ponytail or something. So it's not flying all over the place. Because even though they do try to trim branches and stuff, like there's that concern too. Um, or if seats are too close together, like your hair could get caught in the harness behind you. So it's like those types of things, too, I've seen where that's been an issue or taking off your shoe on shoes on certain rides because you could lose their shoes. And sure enough, I'm riding the ride and I'm seeing shoes, just random shoes just flopping all over. I think this is just like a cautionary tale. Like, just don't go to amusement parks. If you're not going to follow the rules, just stop. Just don't. This is my Um, new slogan for 2023. (laughs) Don't go to amusement parks. I don't know that I ever will after this one. I'm going to be honest. Uh, But anyway, (laughs) so um, further adding to the controversy, they said that women who weighed over 200 pounds or those who wear a size 18 or larger, which they shouldn't have done size, women's sizes are ridiculous and they should not be going off of fat worth anything, but we're subject to ride restrictions. So any woman specifically over 200 pounds or or wearing a size 18 or larger was going to face ride restrictions. Basically, they needed to talk to the attendants or whatever. What? How do, How are not, you going to put... Not, not a good way to approach it. If we're going to give examples of ways not to do this. Why are women specifically given a lower weight restriction when it comes to riding rides? <sighs> That's such fucking bullshit. Yeah. And if you're going to put that kind of limit on it, like, I'm not that far from that weight limit. And I don't, I don't look large. I'm nowhere near a size 18. People get offended when they get asked their I ask for their driver's license when buying alcohol because it says on a sign that if you look if you look forty or younger, and they're like, I can't believe you. Well, it, it, they're trying, dude. They're trying to. You're you look younger than forty. Take the compliment and just show the ID. Come on. Yeah, I'm always like, here you go. <laughs> hey. Like I told the girl the other day, she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, dude. As long as you're asking for my ID, I can feel like I sort of might possibly not pass for a 21-year-old. I don't think that at all. I I know you know I'm old enough. Yeah. It's fine, though. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, but the, the representative said this should be about saving the life of someone and putting those standards in place, she said, adding that the legislation is a good first step. Alabama's proposal does not address rides that are a part of a traveling or mobile carnival or fair, which we've already mentioned because that's already regulated by the CPSC. Regulating fixed rides at theme parks is left up to state lawmakers, which we've already um, gone over. All of that you've already mentioned. Um, Amusement rides and water slides are to be inspected. So this is what the legislator says, uh, the that the bill that's proposed amusement rides and water slides are to be inspected by a qualified inspector at least once a year, by the way, that means that this wasn't being done for amusement rides or water slides. Ew. Water slides. You're not even in a cart. You are just literally riding down a slide or on a tube. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hate water slides. I will not go down them. Sophia and I had kind of a little bit of an argument, but I was like, I don't, that, 
not being in like some kind of fixed cart with a harness bothers me and I can't do that. And that makes me feel even less. Like, like I, I love a good water honestly. slide. I love mm-hmm. a water slide. All it oh. takes is that crack to get just a little bit wider and I'm losing like skin. No, thank you. After a satisfactory inspection, the inspector is to issue a certificate to the rider's owner certifying that the rider slide complies with all that is statutorily required through the stand through whatever standards and is quote reasonably safe for public use. Reasonably safe. I would love to know. Is there a standard in place for what is. the definition of reasonably uh, well, safe? Well, it's a, a, according to the satisfactory inspection. It's all it's that's that's the that's what you get. You get either reasonably safe or not reasonably safe. Those are your two options. That's vague. Yeah. <laughs> We're not gonna tell you why, but it's reasonably safe. Okay, cool. Uh, no patron can be admitted to an amusement ride or water slide if it has on, undergone a major modification until it receives a new inspection certificate. Keep in mind, these are proposals. That means that these are not already laws. Just consider that when I go through the rest of these. If a ride is deemed unsafe, an inspector is not to issue an inspection certificate until the unsafe conditions have been rectified. You don't say, but thanks. Owners have to keep records of all inspections of a ride for at least three years. Fair. Owners have to maintain liability insurance of $500,000 bodily injury or death of one individual in each occurrence and not less than $1 million for bodily injury or death of two or more individuals in each occurrence. <sighs> okay. Baker said the legislation includes some exclusions, particularly what is not considered an amusement ride i.e. loopholes. Among the rides excluded, aerial trekking courses, canopy tours, challenge courses, fun carts, race carts, ropes courses, trampoline uh, courts, or zip lines. And trampoline courts are part of like the the indoor thing. So I think that's why one reason why it's not included. But those things are dangerous and I will not go into Yeah, but the aerial things, like that's... Yeah. Aerial trekking courses. Yeah, those are dangerous. Zip lines? It could go really wrong with zip lines real quick. Also not considered amusement rides are coin-operated rides that are found in public locations like kitty rides, sometimes sometimes found at department stores. I have not seen one of those in forever, but all I can ever think about is the little horse that used to be up front. And they had the, the, the video where there was that uh, drunk person that was in front of like a Walmart and they got on one of those and they couldn't stay on the horse. It was barely moving. That was That's me. all I could think of. <laughs> yeah, <that's what> <laughs> probably, probably me and Megan. I know yeah, that probably we were <laughs> uh, Non-mechanized playground equipment like swing sets, teeter-totters, station, the teeter-totters, that's, that gets people in trouble. Stationary spring mounted animal features. Oh my gosh, those are so dangerous. They should not be allowed in public parks. Not for the kids. The kids are fine. The adults should not be allowed on I've them. definitely gotten on one of those in the past five years. I know. I, I can believe it. Some water rides are also excluded, including lazy rivers and log flume rides, which I don't get into, but there was a very bad situation in a log log flume ride, which shows that that should not be excluded, where I think a child either was severely injured or they actually died in, in a log flume ride. That was in one of the like 10 worst situations that happened that you're I read not about. strapped into those are you you're not no you're not you're yeah. just sitting in it and you're just floating so you're you're just free riding through the water 
and you have like a flume that goes about halfway up on either side that's supposed to keep the water and you in. But they're over like at least a story, if not two stories high. So if you were to fall out of that log somehow and fall over the the log flume, which again, those tunnels are only about halfway up, which so it could easily happen. You ain't going to come out of that looking pretty. Let's just put it that way. No. It's very dangerous considering they're not included, but whatever. So as we've already mentioned, to be fair, there aren't that many incidents to speak of with regards to permanent parks in Alabama. But I was able to find a few in parks um, in Alabama, so I'll go over those. June 2018, a 10-year-old child was taken to Children's Hospital after reportedly reportedly sustaining an injury to the head while on the Lazy River at Alabama Splash Adventure. When the incident happened, the lifeguard team quickly went into action and took care of the child, making sure he was responsive before allowing him to leave the park. But there were some additional issues once they got to Children's Hospital and it was a big thing. But the honestly, the child was okay from everything I could read. But I mean, the Lazy River is not regulated. <laughs> exactly. That was my point. Like that wasn't even really included. In August 2009, four were injured when a raft used, and this is always worried me on these rides too. Again, this is one that I don't think would be regulated under those guidelines either. When a raft used in Alabama Adventures Wild River Gorge capsized, when it hit another raft that seemed to be stuck in the water, overturning the raft and forcing the riders to act quickly to release themselves from their restraints to get out from under the raft. Because you are strapped in and it's one of those huge rafts that has like 10 to 15 people strapped into it. It's one of those like uh, whitewater rafting type rides where you're hitting uh, yeah, stuff. Yeah. They were offered. This is so funny. I had to include it. They were offered season passes and asked to sign forms releasing the park of liability and refused both, according to Hale.com. Yeah, I'm not signing. Yeah, you think? (laughs) (laughs) They said they never. They said they never wanted to come back. Also, not surprising. (laughs) At least the park refunded their ticket prices. (laughs) This was also the third time a raft had capsized. On this ride, in 1999, five people were injured when a raft overturned, and in 2021, another one overturned, but no injuries were reported. Reportedly, the 2021 incident was caused by employees who were on the raft during the ride, rocking the boat, which caused it to tip over in in, in 2021. That I can kind of get, but two out of those three were just people riding the ride. So, okay, yeah. Okay. The rest were inconveniences like rides getting stuck for several minutes and have and the riders having to be rescued, but there weren't any real injuries reported. I think the biggest thing saving Alabama is the fact that you just don't have that many rides and parks to have risks for. So how about I go to a state that's a little close to me and also has plenty of rides like, oh, I don't know, Florida. Speaking of Megan. She literally like just texted me and said it asked me if I wanted to come and visit for a weekend in September. <laughs> I guess she knew we were talking about her. Not going to the amusement park. So these are tough. Um, because they're actually the first one that I'm gonna cover was really tragic and it it's one that I think all of us have heard about, but wanted to make sure and cover it. Um it was the accident involving the the teenager that I mentioned earlier, the 14-year-old Tyre Sampson. 
when he fell off an amusement ride in, 19, in 2022, just last year, and died. The ride was the Orlando Freefall Drop Tower in Icon Park. The accident happened on March 24th, and the ride was obviously closed immediately and dismantled uh, like a year later in March of 2023. So it was closed for an entire year before they dismantled it. The Freefall ride raised passengers 400 feet in the air, tilting the seats forward 30 degrees before releasing them in a freefall that supposedly reached 4 Gs. It then braked approximately 100 feet above the ground. The ride's manual stated it was approved for up to 287 pounds. Tyree, maybe, was just over 6 feet tall and weighed about 383 pounds, according to the autopsy. According to the lawsuit filed by Tyree's family, there was no weight limit posted on the ride. And according to CNN.com, quote, Following the tragedy, Florida officials hired forensic engineering firm Quest Engineering and Failure Analysis, Inc. to investigate the incident. A harness sensor in Tyree's seat had been manual, quote, manually loosened, adjusted, and tightened, end quote, allowing for a greater gap than normal between his harness and his seat, the firm's investigation found. This misadjustment of Tyree's harness proximity harness proximity sensor improperly satisfied the ride's electronic safety mechanisms, causing both the safety lights to illuminate and allowing the ride to commence, even though the ride was actually unsafe, the report said. Attendants were not instructed on, quote, weight requirements or proper loading procedures and were trained that if the indicator light on the seat illuminated, the patron was safe to ride, end quote, according to the state's Bureau of Fair Rides report. And the attendant inside the ring that day had only been on the job for three days and was considered a trainee, according to the report. Jesus. During the ride, the 14-year-old, quote, slipped through the gap between the seat and the harness, end quote, according to the state report. It concluded that, quote, the cause of the accident was that Tyree Sampson was not properly secured in the seat, end quote. The autopsy report said that he died from blunt force trauma. The family filed a lawsuit on April 25th in state court against a number of defendants associated with the ride, including Icon Park, the ride's operator, Slingshot, its manufacturer, Funtimes Handles, or the manufacturer of the ride's chairs, Gerschlar, I guess, amusement rides. On Wednesday, the family said that they had settled their lawsuit against Icon Park and Slingshot, but had not um, yet settled against the foreign manufacturers. Which is not that surprising. Well, I don't, I don't think the manufacturer is at fault here. They put in safety no. regulations that were overridden by park employees. Well, the way that they were saying is, um, their claim is that the way that the ride was built, it was possible to override those safety measures that were built into it. So their idea is that the manufacturer should, the way that they designed it, allowed for this error to happen, essentially. Fair. Um, I don't think... Uh, If if it was possible, because that's how they found... That's what they found was the issue. Um, So if it's... If what they found is true, then yeah, that's actually right. That means the safety precautions built in the machine can be overridden by a simple faulty something or another, which is... I mean, it happens, obviously. Seatbelts can malfunction, etc. But... I guess that's what they were going for anyway. Okay. The terms of the settlement was not disclosed by the family. Dodd said she was 
she has created a foundation in honor of Tyree that will focus on school and scholarships to honor her son. She said that he was a giver and she wanted to follow in his footsteps. Oh. I will tell you that I forgot about this incident, but I do remember when it happened. And they had videos for a while uh-uh. showing where he fell out. Not not the end, but it showed where he fell out. And all I can think of is like my stomach dropping because I have had that thought when I have been in these rides because they have one very similar in Six Flags Over Georgia. It's acrophobia. It doesn't I don't think it goes up that high and it definitely doesn't tilt you. But you're it goes up to the top and you can see over the entire park. You can even see parts of Atlanta like you're above the tree line. And I have thought multiple times like what if the brakes don't work? And that would be known as intrusive thoughts, ladies and gentlemen, but also (laughs) overthinking. And I'm up there and it happens every time. And every time I ride that ride, I get in the ride and I'm like, oh, this will be so much fun. And then I get up the top. I'm like, oh, this is why I hate this ride so much. (laughs) You're already up there. Um, So I, I, I have that feeling of what if this just drops? What if my harness stops working? Like I'm always holding on to my harness super tightly because I'm scared that the harness is just going to magically unclip on me. And so I saw, I remember seeing that video and going, fuck, like that is my worst nightmare. Every single time I ride on one of these rides and then I regret riding the ride because I'm like, what if that had happened? And it does. And that's the thing. Like, I don't know if I'm, I don't know how comfortable I'll be riding rides after going into like the safety regulations and stuff and realizing how lax it really is. That kind of feeds into my uh, intrusive thoughts and my overthinking a little bit. I don't know if I'll ever be able to like comfortably ride rides again, which sucks, but I probably will. I'm not going to say I won't, but it might make it a little bit more difficult, especially rides specifically like that. Well, I'm just going to double down. Like when you were talking about what that ride specifically did, it made me nauseous. Yeah, you were shaking your head the whole time. It made me not like the thought of just like going up that high and then like being tilted down. So you are like seeing the tilted down thing through me. Like, don't not point me any closer to the ground than I are. No, thank you. Mm -mm, I'm good. Oh my God. Don't do that. Mm -mm. Like, could have vomited. (sighs) Okay. So just have a half a page left. So it won't be like five minutes. But just wanted to include a couple of additional incidents. But again, I think a lot of this is, I think it's underreported. But additional incidents in 2022 include at Disney Park specifically. So this is going to be touting the whole, I feel like there's probably more. But they're only reporting oh, yeah. the ones that seem a little lax in the guilty department well the whole disney's whole thing is i'll go through it nobody's died on disney property and that's because they get them out of the park before they can actually be deceased or be it they won't allow uh paramedics inside deceased (laughs) they can't be deceased they can't be deceased they're not like keeping them alive until they're outside they won't they won't allow paramedics and things like that inside of the park or allow them to be declared deceased inside the park so that's why nobody dies inside of disney world well wait till you hear some of these this is a little interesting some of them are okay but also mm, why were they even mentioned which is my question but anyway a 56 year old man suffering a cardiac event after riding the frozen ever after boat ride at epcot october 22nd (laughs) 56 year old man riding the frozen ever after boat ride I'm sorry. A heart attack is not funny. I just had a friend who had one. It was very scary. And he had a heart attack. 
on the frozen ride. But that was my thing. Like he had a heart attack on probably one of the tamest rides out there. (laughs) Bro. He really really liked Elsa. At this, at that, at that point, you have to lie about what ride you were on. (laughs) A 68 year old woman with a pre-existing condition felt dizzy and nauseous after exiting Avatar flight of passage at animal kingdom that same month. I have a feeling it was, pro- I don't know what that that ride is, but I have a feeling it's 3D. Um, I watched the 3D movie that just came out. I watched it in 3D. And the 3D part was really messed up at the theater. And I felt nauseous after just watching the movie. So wh- riding the ride, I can believe she felt dizzy and nauseous. Yeah, I can't watch 3D movies. It makes me nauseous too. I tried it and then I tried it again on the worst possible one because they obviously messed up something in their settings so wait i, I want to go back to the cardiac arrest guy real quick <laughs> of course you do. um did he live do you know if he lived that's all the information available okay, so he had so- a cardiac event after writing it so as far as i know he he lived um uh, frozen heart attack man if you're listening to this podcast i need Which you to not likely <laughs> i need you to double down. frozen gives him that much excitement yeah. i don't think he's listening to this podcast <laughs> i need you to double down and i need you to dress as elsa for halloween like oh, just no. make an entire bit out of it like i would i would totally totally pay for that anyway an 80-year-old woman injured her right leg after falling in the theater at the Carousel of Progress attraction at Magic Kingdom in November, along with a 69-year-old man falling while stepping into the Pirates of the Caribbean ride vehicle, injuring his right arm and his shin. What? These, these are, rides are not that hard to get into. These are slip so. trips and falls. These are... Yeah. Okay. At Universal Studios, a 40-year-old had chest palpitations on Harry Potter and the escape from Gringotts in November of 2022. I mean, I too get anxiety. 40 year old. Let me just put it into perspective. I'm 37. I've been having heart palpitations since I was like 2020, 2022, 20, something like somewhere around there. Um, Sometimes it's normal when you just have that problem, but I feel like he mentioned it, so it probably wasn't. So I don't know what about Harry Potter and the escape from Gringotts really got him going, but apparently. I don't know. Maybe he, he should have checked out the Elsa ride, the Frozen ride. <laughs> maybe. maybe he went there after. In December, uh, a 61-year-old man had an irregular heartbeat on Fast and the Furious Supercharged. I mean, anytime I watch any of those movies... <laughs> Same, my friend, same. And I put out here, I I mean, same, but that just happens like weekly for me. So So none of these are especially concerning, but also some of these passengers maybe shouldn't have been riding the rides at all if they had pre-existing conditions. That being said, something was mentioned. So that tells me that it might have been possibly more serious than it was given in the information. Oh yeah, because amusement parks. Because are- I've look, I took a, I snapped a selfie when Jennifer, um, my my friend of twenty plus years, you and I was said best friend. <laughs> well, no, I did. I was trying not to say her last name. Um, 
because I know so many Jennifers, I'm in the habit of saying their last name because you have, have like to six Jennifers in your life, but at least we were at Six Flags um, and we went to that acrophobia one that I mentioned. And after it, I was like, I took, I snapped a selfie. I was like, I think I just died because I had to sit on the wall for like 10, 15 minutes to calm down because I thought I literally had a heart attack. I didn't report it to Six Flags. I'm just telling you. <laughs> like I had a cardiac event, trust me, but I didn't report it. So these were reported, which kind of makes me wonder if maybe they were a little more serious and this is just the information that was reported out. Just yeah. So. Well, um, in the last story that I'm going to tell you today, uh, we'll see that the parks tend to minimize what is happening. You don't Reported out to the media. Also, I'm sorry. My husband has let seven outside and she is just not happy about it. So basically all I was going to say, the last thing is just like a lot of the, I do think some of the incidents are downplayed. I do think some of them are more serious. I don't think they get the attention they should. I don't think the rides are maintained the way that they should be. But also I think there are a lot of irresponsible riders and these rides are being maintained by teenagers who don't have the bandwidth to handle situations that can and often do arise with riders who are not following the rules. And sometimes safety measures are overlooked and that does create a dangerous opportunity for everyone in that ride, that ride, the next ride and those following. So I think that if everybody was doing their due diligence, then these would be perfectly fine rides and we could all enjoy them. But that being said, I don't think that the majority are doing their due diligence on any side. So yeah, right at your own risk. That's all I can say. Right at your own risk. Well, good so job. I'll hand it over to you and now I need a drink. <laughs> or 10. Uh, I'm just glad I survived my rides that I've done already. Well, buckle up. You're about to Oy. get some deaths. We've got some. Well, after that video you sent me, man, I'm yeah. having issues. We've got some amputations, so let's jump right into it. Uh, so it's going to be no surprise that since I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, that I am going to be covering Carowinds. Which and- I'm glad I never went to now. <laughs> get ready. I, but I, I, I don't know. Maybe I should have because I won't, probably won't be going after this. I, w- I was just surprised. And I don't cover I don't cover all of them by any means. But I was just surprised at the amount of incidents that occur at Carowinds. So, Also, by the way, for those of you who are still around um, and have hung out, and I did look up the fastest roller coasters in the United States. And y'all, y'all are batshit crazy. New Jersey has 128 miles an hour. Seriously? That's bonkers. Y'all need help. I don't, you okay out there? I don't know what else to say. Ohio, 120 miles an hour. And that was at Cedar Point. Oh, uh, I know about Cedar Point. Um, And then the third fastest is 100 miles an hour out in California, Six Flags Magic Mountain. Like, I don't, y'all messed up. Mm-mm. No, you ain't gonna see me on any roller coaster going 100 miles an hour or more. The, how 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 fast is this one? I put it in my notes. The one at Carowinds Fury 325. Yeah, 95. Yeah, see, it was over it's 70. The fourth fastest. Is one of the yeah okay yeah yeah. There's a lot over 70. Y'all just crazy. Mm-mm. I think the fastest one in, in Georgia is it, oh no, it's Goliath. That's right. 80. It they had the Goliath. Um, they have it there. 
but the, apparently they also have it in California. That one's 85, but I think the one in Georgia only goes maybe 70. Okay. I think yeah. that's my max because that was – I almost passed out. So, yeah, I'm good. If I'm I, not I don't a, go any faster than that. <laughs> if I'm not in a vehicle or a plane or a train, um, no, my, my ass is not going that fast. All right. So – Let's start out with a bit of an overview. Also, this is going to be a long episode. Uh, enjoy. You're welcome, uh, listeners. You know what? Take a break real quick. Um, pause and go make yourself another drink. Yeah, go there back. you go. Get another roller coaster. There you go. So, Carowinds is a 407-acre 407 amusement park primarily located in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's owned and operated by Cedar Fair. Cedar Fair actually owns several parks across the U.S. and could cover, and I could cover any of them in this episode with all of their incidents that occur within their parks. I feel like a part two should happen. Yeah. I won't participate. I'll just let you do yours. <laughs> well, there's one under, I, I believe it's the same park, but there's one under that is under Cedar Fair that Kelsey actually I was telling her that we were going to record this episode a few weeks ago and she was like oh my god I could cover the one in um for my hometown if you wanted to do that as like a bonus and I was like yeah because she actually witnessed something herself in person oh no and I was like at the very least we need to get that recorded so right um tbd uh on that one I feel like actually I, I take that back I feel like Tennessee's got uh a few going on I'm sure Probably. But yeah. We could definitely, I feel like, with the ugh, the incidents that I've read. Oof. Yeah, they're pretty bad. So, the park opened to the public on March 31st, 1973. Carowinds straddles the state line between North and South Carolina, um, adjacent to Interstate 77. Which- ah, so it's making its name all cute by the Caro. Yeah. Both of them. Okay. Yeah. Well, We'll get into the naming convention in just a second. Ah, okay. With a portion of the park located in Fort Mill, South Carolina. So a portion of the park is located in North Carolina and a portion is located in South Carolina. It was constructed at the cost of $70 million following a four-year planning period led by Charlotte businessman Earl This was in Patterson. when? 1973. Holy cow. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Earl Patterson Hall. Well, and actually, uh, I don't think I get into it, but um, Carowinds was actually, the plan for it was to be, do we get into it? No. Yeah, no. Uh, It was actually planned to be an amusement park with a resort and like an NFL um, Whoa! Feel okay. things like so. It was trying to be a bigger, better like Disney World, in, okay. in the beginning. But due to like uh, I think it was like an oil shortage in the eighties or something like that. Um, you know, foot traffic in the park lowered, and they permanently stopped those plans. So uh, I may get a little bit of that wrong, but that was, that was the gist of it. There was a, you know, an oil shortage at some point that basically. Think smaller. Yeah. Think smaller. Uh, Carowinds also features Carolina Harbor, a 27 acre water park that is included with the park admission. Annual events include the Halloween themed Scarowinds, 
and the Christmas-themed Winterfest, which I wouldn't mind going to Scarewinds. And you can actually, it's interesting the way that they do it from what I've heard from other people. Um, you go, you can go in like after dark, whatever. Um, and you can either wear a pin that says, that's basically saying that you're a scaredy cat, like don't actually scare me or not. And they will actually actively try to scare you nice. while you're in the park. So maybe you should do that sometime. Um, Six Flags Over Georgia has something like that. Um, that I've always wanted to go to because it seems like it'd be fun. You know, my bitch ass is going to be wearing one of those pins. Yes, <laughs> but I won't. So by default, you're going to end up getting scared. <laughs> I'm just like going to shit my pants in the middle of Carolines. <laughs> okay. Uh, wouldn't be the first time I did that in a theme park. Ayo. Another interesting little aside to Carolines, especially when it comes to regulations. Carolines sits on the border of North and South Carolina, which both have different standards for regulations on safety and inspections. This caused a bit of a stink during COVID and reopening since states have vastly different standards for safety and health. South Carolina has very different ideas when it comes to medical health regulations than North Carolina. Um, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> But I tried to see what the impact as far as safety and inspection regulations went. Would the, ri- would the rides that sat in South Carolina only be subjected to their standards? What about the rides that run across both state lines? If anyone knows the answer, please let me know. I Typically on this time. situation, whenever something like that happens, they, in, in my experience with the type of regulations I deal with, if that's a question and if there's like a crossing of state lines, typically they go with the most strict as a default because it's easier to just say, let's follow the most strict guidelines. They'll def- by default be meeting the other ones. But then when you're talking about big corporations and a lot of money, they don't want to do that. So, yeah. Well, but by default, typically that's the rule of thumb. That's that's how they do it. When it came to like the COVID restrictions and reopening the park, they actually leaned towards the more restrictive regulations that North Carolina put in place than going with South Carolina. But when I it comes to typically the. Yeah, I don't know how they would go about it. deal with safety and inspection regulations as far as the park goes. Uh, I just know in my experience, like if you have companies that are in multiple states um, and sometimes it becomes a question of, okay, well, is the state based? Is it co- the company based in the state? Okay, so do we follow those regulations? And usually the rule is you just follow the most strict of the guidelines of the states that they're in. And then that way you're always following all the guidelines. Yeah, it's like a safety catch-all. Um, but again, it's a corporation. They don't want to spend any more money than they have to. Exactly. So. All right. So let's start from the earliest incidents and work our way up to the newest for the most part. Um, also, I want to say the most recent incident that occurred, it occurred over the weekend, this weekend. Oi. That is not why we are doing this episode. It was simply a fluke that it happened. We've been planning this episode for literally months. So don't think we're doing it because of this thing. It just uh, happened. It happened to work out because now we can include it. I know. Uh, and it's. I was literally updating the notes for it right before we got on because they just released an update on it. So you're going to get the latest one as of July 6th from this podcast. So... Um, you're probably not going to get this till what, July 15th? What? I don't know. It's something. Yeah, something like, like that. Two weeks later. Something two like weeks that. Two weeks later, yeah. Oh, and, oh, yeah, I already covered that. I'm not covering everything that's happened there. 
just, you know, the more major ones. So on May 8th, 1982, on the Rip Roarin' Rapids, eight people were injured when two boats jammed up, resulting in a collision with another boat moving down the ride. One was knocked over by a guardrail. All were treated for minor injuries. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of these, I actually, find minor injury guardrail. Well, yeah, that's exactly that's my that's my thing. And a lot of this, they didn't have a lot of information on it. I actually had to go to like um, newspapers dot com and actually look at the old newspaper from the eighties to get information from it. And that's all they cover. On mm. June seventh, nineteen eighty seven, and this one's really sad. Michelle Ann Sexton, a 16-year-old, was killed while swimming on a raft at the Wave Pool uh, in Carolina Harbor. Wave pools are known to be so dangerous. Hang on. And a 6-year-old girl, Aisha Rollins, was also wounded. Would you like to know how? Well, Can you guess yeah. how? If we're in a wave pool, what do you think is going to happen? Oh, uh, well, my guess was that somebody had something in the pool. No, um, no, it was an AK-47. Silly. <laughs> Duh. Obviously. Uh, um, Something that shouldn't have been there at all, but oh, okay. It wasn't in, it wasn't in the water park. Uh, five men, Gerald Michael Turner, 30, James Joseph Bagate, if I pronounce his name wrong, fuck him anyways, 31, Charles Hepburn Cupser. 20, Richard Melvin Cattell, 19, and Richard Philip Grodenser, whatever, 21, were shooting at a makeshift target range a half mile from the park with an AKS-47. I can only find one single article on this, but from that article, it alluded to the fact that it was difficult for them to identify the gun turned over as the murder weapon from the bullets that were retrieved because it seemed they had modified the automatic to a semi-automatic before turning it in and themselves into police. Coincidence? I think not. Well, no, it's definitely not a coincidence. They, they definitely modified it right before they took it in because having an automatic weapon uh, comes with you you in big trouble. Term. Yeah, you're in, <laughs> you're in big trouble. Um, so, yeah. Uh, you don't have a slap on the wrist for that. that that's no. not. Uh, and I don't I don't really know what happened. I don't know what they were charged with. Anything like that. That was all I could find on it. They must have been. The only thing I can think of, they must have been shooting with bullets they weren't supposed to. Well, if you. Th- For it to go mile, that far. But it's only a half a mile. And it's an. Uh, it's an AK. Um, even when we shoot at your house. My old house. Your, well, your old house, yeah. We shot into a place where there wasn't anybody anywhere near the back of your property. Uh, well, that and also we had a dumpster full of tires yeah. behind the target. And it slipped up. I yeah. highly doubt they were going yeah. to that extent. So, no, this is... this. An AK-47, <sighs> by the way, can go right through, like, I've had some of those metal targets in our backyard and my ex had an AK, and when he shot at it, it could go through that huge metal target. So, yeah, they're not any kind of joke. 
at all. When you're that close to like the popular, it just if you're stupid enough to not realize that the weapon of your choice is going to go that far into a very populated place, how the fuck do you even have it? But we're not going to get into gun regulations. What we are no, going to get not. into is since that is a little left field. What so was this out of curiosity? Was this like a gun range, or was this just like their backyard that just happened to be that close to it? No, it, it wasn't even their backyard. They went into this area. They made a makeshift target of their own. It wasn't a shooting range. Okay, so they had no business being there in the first no. place. No. Okay. So since we're already talking about the way, just clarifying. I'm just, I'm just clarifying. No, I, know, I know, I know, I know. It, it, it boggles my mind too. I would never think to take if I'm going to. Because I mean, if we think about years past, people were pretty lax on this kind of stuff so yeah just clear fair enough whatever um idiots so the wave pool two years after this incident an 11 year old boy named rodney gerald uh and i'm sorry if i pronounce this wrong ligon or lesion ligon lesion l-i-g-o-n l-i-g-o-n yeah oh i don't know we're gonna go with lesion uh drowned in uh, in the wave pool on July 6th, a lifeguard noticed him struggling to stay above water in the eight-foot section and pulled him out. The lifeguard attempted to resuscitate him. Um, he was then flown by helicopter to Charlotte Memorial Hospital, where he was pronounced dead at 1.42 p.m. Wave pools are so dangerous. If you have children, do not let them in them. They Well, so I will say... <clears throat> they're very careful they are a lot more careful about it i remember going into one of those and almost drowning myself to be perfectly mm-hmm. frank um they don't let the waves go as long they don't allow it to get as choppy as they used to um at six flags when we went this last year sophia was would go into it she was always with her siblings they were always right there and she knows how to swim, so otherwise we wouldn't have let her out there. But they would get out there, and there was no less than two lifeguards looking at the wave pool the whole time. And it doesn't, the duration isn't as long. So I feel like they've figured out the time limit so that if somebody were to get stuck in the waves and they didn't notice them until the wave stopped, they would still have time to get them out of the water. Because I did notice it was a lot shorter than what I remember as a kid. Yeah, back in the day, uh they would just keep it going. You were fighting for your life in that thing. I went to the deep end once when Same. I was in that thing. I Same. never did it again. I stayed in the middle or shallow waters. That was it. That was it for me. Meanwhile, my parents are out there on the, the beach area drinking margaritas. They're fine. It's fine. They can swim. <laughs> if they don't come back, we'll know something's wrong. Yeah, there we go. Um. Well, the, the, you know, I had a twin, so we got an extra one. We got a... <laughs> We got a spare. It's fine. <laughs> the fuck? Uh, on September 16th, 1987, a construction, a construction, a construction worker who was laying utility pipe at Carowinds died when a 10 foot deep trench caved in and trapped him for 25 minutes. While this in- that is like the worst. Yeah. Uh, he suffocated under t- a bunch of dirt. Anyways, While this incident could be directly the construction company's fault, here's why in most states it, it, and here's why in most states and federal and federally standards 
are that if a trench is deeper than five feet, it is required to be shored, braced, or sloped and include a ladder or other means of escape. The trench that killed the construction worker wasn't, didn't have any of those things in place. And I actually knew this before I read it, uh, all because of the Will Trent series. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, said. However, I do believe that some of the blame does fall on Carowinds. Uh, If someone is hurt at your home while doing work to it, you are liable for that. Yep. So, yeah. Or if a contractor is hurt on the job, um, the company that hired that contractor is still at fault. Anyways, yep. On May 17, 1996, three Mount Holly residents were rescued late Friday from the drop zone ride at Carowinds after being stuck 160 feet in the air for nearly three hours. Nope. That's, mm-mm. no, thank you. Carowinds officials said the safety control system locked and braked, brakes, uh, yeah, braked, when one of its four cars did not ascend completely to the top. Maintenance personnel tried to release the brakes manually, but one of the cars did not respond. Its three passengers were stranded near the top of the 174-foot tower. Nope. I would have died of a heart attack. For three hours. Carol, Charlotte firefighters <laughs> strapped harnesses around. I would have been riders. the cardiac event on yeah. that ride. That that after like two minutes. <laughs> oh, actually, I would have already had a cardiac event. <laughs> uh, Angela, 20. Ray War- Worley, 24. And Johnny Kitchen, 43. They were lowered to the ground about 11.30 p.m. My God. Oh, being stuck in a riot is about to get way worse, too. On April 5th, 1999, a roller coaster train on Thunder Road failed to stop on the final brake run. It collided with another train parked at the station. Seven out of the 16 passengers involved were taken to a local hospital and treated. Well, yeah, whiplash. Yeah. It's fucking chaotic, man. (laughs) In March of 2007, seven park employees were injured during a test run of the Borg Assimilator, later renamed Nighthawk, when the seats changed position during the ride. The ride operator accidentally pressed a button releasing the seat locking pins after the train. Oh, no. Yes. No, 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 no. This is my other fear. (laughs) Which were responsible for keeping the seats in a fixed position. The ride was later modified to disable the button while trains are in motion. You you don't say. (laughs) Why was that not already a thing? Oh my gosh. (laughs) This is, this makes, okay. All right. For the next ones, I'm just going to cover the ride itself. Since I'll just never ride a new ride. Once it's been out for a couple of, couple of years, not 30, but like two years. All right, maybe. There. For the next one, I'm going to cover the ride itself since it has multiple incidents. And it's still, oh, lovely. It's still, also, it's I, I'm, I'm going to start. I'm going to look at rides at amusement parks like phones. Let them get the bugs out on all the other people. True, fair <laughs> enough. Um, and this ride is still open today. Just FYI. No thanks. So we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Wind Seeker. It's that it's that that ride where it straps you into a seat and you're like taken up into the air and then spun around you know 
high up. That that doesn't sound enjoyable at all, honestly. Uh, this actually it actually used to be my favorite ride when I was a kid. That would be like one of the only ones that I would ride. But I definitely wouldn't ride this one at Carowinds. Uh, on July twenty, it in the like the chi- the 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 swings ride so this, type ride. This one isn't this. It, it's not. I couldn't tell if it was the swings or not. But the pictures I saw, it didn't look like it. It looked like a two seater where they're side by side, and they they did that. Mm-hmm. But then in one of these incident reports, it talks about one of the cables, and so I don't know if okay. if that's true or not so i can't it's, like, it's like kind of kind of right though yeah it's like those yeah. are the ones i won't do okay cool so on july 28th 2013 65 passengers were stuck on carowinds windseeker for over an hour when a safety mechanism halted the ride not too terrible right i mean i guess in both of these instances at least the safety mechanism is the reason like yeah fair enough I'd be, I'd rather be inconvenienced than dead. So yeah, true. Well, I guess they didn't think so either at Carowinds because not even two years later in April of 2015, the same thing happened again, stranding 60 passengers, 150 feet in the air for approximately 15 minutes this time. Okay. Well, maybe fix the problem. (laughs) (laughs) It's like... One time is an accident. The second time is a choice. Yeah, true <laughs> Something that. wasn't fixed. Uh, this next one's not funny. It's pretty terrible. Um, also has to do with the Windseeker. On March 6, 2019, a third-party contractor was checking the Windseeker ride when he had his right hand amputated. There were some articles talking about the construction workers suing the parent company for for Carowinds. Um and according to the lawsuit, Carowinds employees were controlling the speed of the ropes as the plaintiff was inspecting it. Quote, rather than move the wire rope at a safe speed for maintenance and inspection, the workers operated at a speed that caused the worker's hand to be pulled into the pulley, which amputated his right hand. Oh, Unquote. Mm-hmm. Cedar Fair filed an official, res- filed an official response in the court denying the allegations and calling for the lawsuit to be dismissed. And I, I actually did pull up the lawsuit itself and, and it holds pretty, pretty much pretty good weight. Um, in my opinion, as a not lawyer, um, of course that was the latest that I could find on this incident. I think it's still going through the court because it is, it's still relatively new. 2019 wasn't that long ago. And lawsuits, especially with corporations, take a very mm-hmm. long time. They drag it out as long as possible. Mm-hmm. So, 2016 was kind of wild for Carowinds, too. Uh, in June, a transformer exploded nearby, causing a park-wide power outage. You know what that means, right? People stuck on rides. Multiple guests were stranded on rides across the park. <laughs> yes, including the Windseeker. Just just stay away from the Windseeker, okay? <laughs> oh, yeah. no. Yeah. Some of them had to wait over an hour before being rescued. And nope. it's it's so funny to read, like, the, the news articles that talk about, like, these incidents and things like that and the verbiage that they use. Because the verbiage I'm using is definitely not what they use. Um, you don't say. Because 
when they're talking about, oh, it took over, you know, it took over an hour for um, them to be, they say things like for them to be escorted off the rides. I'm like, no, bitch, they were being they were rescued. rescued. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> I would have to pee what it is. so bad. Yeah. And I would be like, all right. This is only going to go down in one way. Exactly. <laughs> no other option. Uh, just it's it's. I wonder if like the the Carowinds was the one that was approving what could be. That that's my whole thing. Is like, are they approving what the media is actually being? Oh, well, I'm sure. Release on it. Um, I'm sure they had at least some control over that. Yeah. Uh, and it only talked about like them being stuck on two rides and they didn't give actual estimations of how many people were stuck and for how long and on which rides and under which conditions. Let me put it to you this way. If only two rides were actually stopped and stuck, then I would be actually more concerned because that meant the other rides kept going with no power. Yeah. (laughs) That's a little more concerning to be perfectly frank. Uh, yeah. Yeah. My goodness. Then in September, around- oh my gosh, all I can do is see it now. I know. I was like, you're going to shit your pants. <laughs> uh-huh. And there's no lights. Like you're stuck on a ride and there's no lights. Imagine it's still going because only two of them stopped. So you're just <laughs> hoping for the best. I think all of them stopped. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'm laughing because I'm very uncomfortable. I know. You're laughing. <laughs> uh, then in September, around the the this is the same year. Then in September, around the time the park was closing, police were notified that a 22 year old man allegedly shot a 14 year old boy in the bus parking lot. It was reported that the altercation began as an argument inside the park before escalating outside. The man was arrested by police and the boy was rushed to a nearby hospital to be treated for life-threatening injuries. And I assume he lived, I try to find, but they didn't release who it was that was shot. Like the boy, I mean, he's 14. So. I gotta say, I'm surprised that I didn't have any stories revolve, revolving around guns, but you've now had two. I know. Who would have thunk it? Figure. All right. Interesting. In 2019, the newest ride... Um, this is definitely not the newest ride, but the newest ride at that time, Copperhead Strike, was temporarily shut down when a guest injured their hand on the ride. An inspection report after the incident showed a broken lock and safety cable with the cause for the injury. It struck the rider's hand and cut and broke their thumb. Also, I'm referring to this person as them because in some articles it says he, and in others, Fox News, they refer to them as she. So out of an abundance of precaution, I am just referring to them as them. Now to our finale of the day. And this is quite the ride. Over. (laughs) And there's a video you can watch this. If you haven't seen it, um, uh, I'd be surprised because it is everywhere. Over the 4th of July weekend, just this past weekend, On June 30th, Jeremy Wagner took his 14-year-old daughter, 12-year-old niece, his son, and his son's friend, both 13, to Carowinds. By the end of the day, his daughter and niece had ridden the Fury 325 eight times. His son and his friend had been on it three or four times. The Fury 325, which the amusement park describes as the tallest, fastest, longest giga coaster in North America 
one of the parks. Well, with those qualifications, it's not super surprising. Yeah. There's probably only one in the world that meets all those. Yeah. One of the park's marquee attractions, the one and quarter mile ride reaches speeds of 95 miles per hour and climbs to a peak of 325 feet before plunging riders into a dramatic 81 degree drop in a 190 foot tall barrel turn. Nope. Hard pass. Jeremy was ready to leave, but the kids were not, so he he compromised with them. He would walk the long way to the truck while they continued to ride, and then he would pick them up at the entrance. Dope. Uh, Boy, was he regretting that on his walk. (laughs) While waiting near the entrance, Jeremy looked up at the Fury 325 as the car hit one of the ride's turns, pressing into the track and exacerbating what looked to be a crack in a steel support pillar. Jeremy first dismissed his thoughts of it being a flaw, thinking the crack was a part of the structure's design, but when he looked at the support systems for other rides, he didn't see anything like that. When he looked back at the Fury 325, another car hit the turn. This time, he saw light shooting through the expanded crack before the car passed, and the crack contracted. He knew something was wrong. He got out of the truck to flag down a Carowinds employee, And pointed out the crack. Quote, I was like, y'all need to shut this ride down. That's bad news. Unquote. The employee seemed unconcerned, so Jeremy walked his happy tail back into the park and spoke. Also not what the newspaper article said. No, it's not. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, And spoke to several other employees with the same response. Like, they all seemed unconcerned. He finally went to guest services, who asked him to send her the video he'd shot of the crack. Once he had sent it, she just walked away. No follow-up, nothing. Quote, the biggest thing for me, there was no sense of urgency, he said. Carowinds did not immediately respond late Sunday night to a request for comment on Jeremy's allegations about lack of urgency. Can I just, all right, let's take a tea. I saw this video and I'm like, what the fuck? All right, so for this lack of urgency, I feel like it's because they've heard this and seen this before they know now. It. Yeah, they know it. I don't know if that, dear listener, makes you feel better, but it doesn't make me feel better. It means you knew there was a crack there that has been steadily getting worse because that's how cracks work. And they just didn't do anything about it. They even told their employees, oh, it's fine. Yeah. I, as an employee, one, wouldn't be an employee anymore. Number two, I sure as hell wouldn't ride that ride. And number three, I would have gone straight to the press. I'm not even going to lie. Oh, yeah. 100%. I don't fuck around with safety either. Uh, The place I work at takes safety really... It's very strict. And, like, I'm an office person, but if I'm out in the plant and, like, just last week I was walking through, there was... A large spill on the floor. People just passing by. Not this chick. I stopped somebody. I asked him to get a cone. I'm down there getting it up with paper towels. Like, not today. Nobody's falling today. <sighs> so serious. That's why I don't get on roller coasters, people. Also, I'm a scaredy cat. Anyways. All the things. Jeremy left unnerved. Duh, same. During yeah. the hour-long drive home. He didn't stop there, either. Um, his dread ate at him. He knew Fu- he knew Fury 325 was one of the amusement park's marquee attractions. It's a newer one, I think. 
and would be heavily used over the 4th of July weekend during the park's 50th anniversary. Which is why they also didn't want to do anything. Probably. He, fe- he feared the pillar would fail, sending a car shooting off the tracks and diving into a crowd below. A tragedy struck and he hadn't done more to shut down the ride. Jeremy knew he would blame himself and forever wonder yep. whether he could have prevented it. Yeah, exactly. I would too. Same. And I feel so bad. Like, I feel so bad that they didn't take him reporting this. This seriously. was an excellent opportunity. Corporations do better. This is an excellent opportunity to say we had no idea, but we took action immediately when it was brought to our attention. Instead, you sat there, you did nothing, you called his bluff, and he did it anyway. Well, that's why they're not responding to any of these allegations that they didn't respond in a timely manner. And to this day, they haven't responded to that. Too late. So on the drive home, Jeremy called Carowinds again, but got their automated system. Once home, he called the fire department in that jurisdiction. Someone there told him that he had a direct line to the park security people and would contact them. Ten minutes later, the firefighter called back and told him the park had shut the ride down. What the fuck? What the fuck? Why do I have to go through all this? Yes. What the fuck? It's just, it's in- it's insane. So, it did just come out. Here's an update. It did just come out right before we recorded this that they found the cause of the crack. It was report, and it's not when we say a crack. It's not a crack. It's not a crack. It's a solid discontinuance of a column that is a support beam. The entire it is, it is no longer connected to the support beam. Yeah, the whole rail separated from the support beam. So when the the car hits that track, the whole track moves away from the support beam. Like so, it, it's it it's efficient. It's effectively useless. Yes. It was reported to be a weld line that had weakened. I did ask means that has happened before. Well, because that doesn't seem like a normal, when I saw the video, that does not seem like an area that would normally be a seam. So it is a seam. I asked, um, I asked a friend who works in inspections for specific for welding it is specifically so he does inspect this stuff and he says it looks like a k joint welders whatever i don't know what that means um i sound smart anyways until you said i don't know what that means it is it is an actual weld spot so because i I question it too i was like that looks like a weird weld because when i look at welds at work they don't typically look like that and he said yes it looks like this specific weld blah, blah 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 and i said okay well how normal is it for for like something like this to happen? Like, is it normal for something like this to happen? And he literally he just texted back, "Fuck no." So <laughs> there's your answer. <laughs> well, I mean, the idea is, I mean, think about it conceptually. These are these are rides that are supposed to be stationary. They're supposed to stay where they are, and with you know maintenance. They're never supposed to go anywhere. So they should be relatively sturdy, in theory, theory. considering what they're doing. And they're supposed to be able to take that vibration and those movements from the roller coaster. That's how they're designed. Literally, there are people that are designing these things to make sure that they take this into account. Yeah. So something obviously went wrong. Because if this is their newest ride, I wonder, like... How old is it, really? I don't think it's really that old. Uh, and the creator of the ride 
actually came over, sent inspectors over from their own company to look at it. So it it looks like, from what I can see in the news, it looks like they're taking steps to actively see what happens and ensure it doesn't happen again. And they actually have a new support okay. team that's being brought So it was in. manufactured and opened 2015. Yeah, so not that old. So it's really not that old because, I mean... Six Flags just renovated one that they'd had since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that one was nearly 20 when they renovated that this one's only what seven, eight years old? Yeah, and it had like a whole now? year off. Yeah, of so that's kind of <laughs> that's, that's odd. Yeah, it's 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 definitely strange. And to see some of the things that we weld at work and those things go into uh machines that run very fast and get very hot. I'm just giving it away at this point. Um, well, and also I wonder too, if this was obviously these roller coasters are typically manufactured by certain companies. So I wonder if this is also going to open a can of worms and that manufacturing company is also going to be inspected for any roller coasters built or manufactured around that same time. But again, so that's the other thing that they're probably not wanting to yeah. open that can of worms, but also if this is a problem at another theme park and nobody's reporting it because nobody's noticed it, Maybe you're being done a favor right now and you're preventing a situation. Yeah, hopefully. Well, in any case, they're going to have a new support beam in next week that they will install. And they they said that they had several safety checks that they were going to do before even allowing the ride to open again. Like they were going to do 500 okay. test runs and things like that. I'm like, okay. And they're also going to employ drones to do inspections across the park in areas that are not easily inspected by the human eye to ensure safety standards I and this on before. yeah so also it's, if it was that quick like they can get it turned around in less than two weeks time why put it off why didn't you fix it in the first place mm-hmm. why didn't you have somebody inspecting something like this in the first place yeah. like it blows my mind that they didn't like they're 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 in the media saying all of these things that they are going to do and they're trying to take an active participation and how they proceed as far as like for safety procedures and like inspection procedures for their own why did some father who was walking by and happened to look at it be the one that pointed out something to you that has obviously been a problem for a period of time at this point because if you look at that video, it's not a new problem. Well, in my whole thing, it's uh, pretty sus that uh, after scrutiny came out on the response that they had, or the lack of response that they had on getting this. Oh, they, yeah, so they were on it. Yeah, and now they're coming out and they're like, oh, we're doing all this safety stuff. And we're like doing all where was this, this a month ago. Yeah, where was this at um Friday when somebody showed you that your part like your 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 ride was falling apart and nobody ran to shut it down. Okay, let's say you only do it once a year. All right. Let, 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 let's say that. Where is all of this a week to 2 weeks even a month before you open the park mm-hmm. for the summer? Proactively. Well, yeah. It, well, it's open In year. Theory, yeah. You should have well, I mean, that's the point. Like, there should be a, a point where everything is inspected, right? So when was your last inspection? Can we get videos of that? Mm-hmm. This fancy drone dro- drone that you're going to use? Where where are the videos from the last time? Yeah. It happened? Like, oh, where, where, oh, it didn't happen before. That's right. My bad. And one of the things it talks about in some of these articles when it talks about, like, regulating, and I know we keep saying that, um, 
the reason that they can't track uh, incidents and like safety standards for these amusement parks is because there is a lack of data recorded. And as a data scientist, that drives me fucking crazy. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, So you don't know what the safety history of these rides are unless they're being put in the media. There isn't like Mm -hmm. somewhere where you can go where you can actually actively look for this stuff. And some of these things that I found, I had to go into like scanned articles or scan newspaper for the information. So, you know, maybe have a better way of like reporting safety occurrences when it comes to amusement safety and amusement parks and like all of that stuff. Uh, just my suggestion. Uh, I don't know a lot, but that's, you know, my two cents. Anyways, this all has been right. long enough. We're coming up on two hours. Yeah. Woo. I know. A lot longer than I expected. And I'm tired of talking. <laughs> I told you it was going to be long. Um, I know, I know. And there was, the, I had so many more. There was like one where there was a baby stroller that got caught up in a roller coaster. There was no baby in it. It was fine. Nobody was Okay, hurt. thank you for clarifying. <laughs> so Jeez. it was just, it was just like random stuff like that, that, that came up. Uh, and I was like, there's, yeah, I'm not going to put that one in there. But uh, yeah, there were some things here and there that I was like, oh, it's not, yes, yeah, not worried about it. Oh my so, God. No. I hope you guys so a good job. Thanks. Good job, dude. That was, Thanks. that was good. Uh, a lot. I finally got it out of my head. I'll I'll go to Carowinds, but I'm not going to ride the rides. We'll just, we'll just do the spooky one. We'll just eat and drink. Yeah, there we go. Sounds good to me. I'm happy with that. So, uh, yeah. Um, thanks for listening. And, uh, we're not going to go over this spiel. We've taken up too much time. We love you until next time. Bye. 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 The Reaper will come for us all.